Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. If, like me, you wanted to make it to Basel, Switzerland last January for the celebration of Dr. Albert Hoffman's 100th birthday, but you couldn't afford it, well, then I suspect that you will really enjoy today's program. As you probably know, the celebration included a series of workshops and lectures by most of the world's leading experts on LSD and altered states of consciousness. And one of those experts was my friend Myron Stolaroff. To put Myron's experience into perspective, let me ask you where you were on April 12, 1956, when he had his very first LSD experience. Unless I miss my guess, most of you were still trying to decide whether or not you were actually going to incarnate for another round of the Earth game here. Maybe a few of you were already toddling around in diapers, and I know that there are some of you who were already out of college and starting out on your own by then. Where was I way back then, you ask? Well, <laughs> I was in eighth grade and being subjected on a daily basis to the brainwashing of the cult that I was trapped in. You know the one I'm talking about? It's called the Catholic Church. And it wasn't until I was over 40 years old and found LSD myself that I was able to break free from all the mental conditioning that I was subject to by the nuns and priests. But I'll bet that Myron Stolaroff was the only one of us who, on that April day over 50 years ago, was having his first LSD experience. That's right. Myron had his first experience with that magic medicine over 50 years ago. At the time of that experience, he was on the fast track in uh, what one day would be called Silicon Valley. Only it wasn't silicone he was working with, it was videotape. In fact, the scientific and engineering contributions Myron made during the 15 years he spent with Ampex led directly to the first practical videotape recorder and player, without which we probably never would have evolved into DVDs and beyond, but that's another story. The story we're going to hear today is Myron's summation of some of the lessons he has learned during his long and productive relationship with LSD and other sacred medicines. I'll have more to say about Myron and his lovely wife, Jean, who is also one of the great psychedelic pioneers, after we hear Myron's presentation. So let's get on with today's program and join Myron Stoleroff in a packed lecture hall in Basel, Switzerland, and listen to what he has to say about the future of human consciousness. My talk is about the, the future of human consciousness. Consciousness is undoubtedly the most valuable attribute of all of humanity's possessions. From the beginning of human presence, consciousness has continued to rise in depth, comprehension, intelligence, skills, and creativity. Looking at our world today, we cannot help but be enormously awed by the developments that have been made through the centuries. But for all of our growth in consciousness and incredible developments, humanity, for the most part, 
has a very long way to go to experience the higher levels of consciousness that await us. Let us briefly assess where humanity stands in their development and then examine to the best of our ability what may be waiting for us with expanded consciousness. First, and looking at what has been accomplished over the centuries, we cannot help but be awed at the astounding progress that has been made. A short list includes many who live in luxury and beautiful homes, plentiful food is available in a variety of forms, transportation abounds from bicycles to automobiles to airplanes, beautiful parks appear in a variety of cities, Entertainment abounds. Magnificent buildings house a variety of endeavors. Education is available in a vast diversity of choices. On the other hand, there is great pain and suffering throughout the world. There are committed believers who feel that their God is the only God, which means that it's perfectly all right to kill those who hold a different belief. Large numbers of humans live in poverty and have no means of financial support. Many suffer from diseases and starvation. Education is beyond the reach of huge numbers of people. While there are organizations committed to help those in dire straits, there still remains large numbers of people beyond the reach of such helpers. These persons have very little access to greater understanding development of wisdom, or reaching the bliss of realized beings. In fact, for the most part, they probably do not even know that higher levels of consciousness exist. Fortunately, there have been wise ones throughout the centuries who were moved to study life situations and find ways to overcome suffering. The Buddha is an outstanding example. Quoting from my Tibetan Buddhist teacher, Alan Wallace, author of the book, Boundless Heart, the Buddha found from his own experiences that certain fundamental afflictions of the mind are the source of the distress we experience. The most fundamental of these afflictions is delusions. And from this delusion, other twistings of the mind occur. Selfish craving, hostile aggression, and a myriad of other derivative afflictions. The Buddha and masters that followed after him found ways to trim and develop the mind. To, I'm sorry, to train and develop the mind. Employing appropriate practices opens the door to the glorious potential of the spirit revealing that love and compassion are the most appropriate answers. Here's a list of, of guidelines. Avoid killing. Avoid sexual misconduct. Avoid taking what is not given. Avoid lying. Avoid slander. Avoid abuse. Avoid idle gossip. Avoid malice. Avoid avarice. Avoid false views or a mindset that denies fundamental truths. Over many centuries, 
Buddhists and others, other discoverers reached higher and higher levels of consciousness. While followers of these teachers grew and gained much reward, the number of followers are still a very low percentage of the total population of our planet. The discovery of who we are and what our potential can be was given an enormous boost when Dr. Albert Hoffman came forward with LSD. Within a few years, persons all over the world began to discover enormous openings of consciousness. Vast areas of discovery opened up. Repressed material rose to the surface, in many cases revealing sources of discomfort that could now be released. Inappropriate behavior was recognized. Mates, family members, and friends were seen in greatly enhanced light. Heightened awareness opened the door to vast beauty and understanding. And most important of all, for open seekers came the realization that one is truly one with the universe, immersed in pure bliss. And that's what's waiting for us. Unfortunately, there were many youngsters who managed to possess LSD and were anxious to explore without intelligent guidance. While naturally peaceful, contented, open-minded youngsters found riches from their experiences. More disturbed persons encountered deeply repressed material that was very painful and difficult to resolve. This often led to minds getting twisted and in some cases created unbearable pain. Sometimes such persons ended up in severe depressions and even in hospitals. Many physicians and their helpers did not have the knowledge to help such persons out of their dilemma. Parents were bewildered by the changes. In America, many uninformed physicians who were unfortunately in the majority, and the punitive Federal Drug Enforcement Authority were happy to bitterly oppose such substances, resulting in the United States government making all substances illegal. No research with psychedelic substances has been approved for over 30 years. Finally, starting within the last three years, Several research projects employing psilocybin and MDMA have been authorized by our Food and Drug Administration with the possibility of research with LSD in the near future. Results are encouraging and it's most likely that only a matter of time before these valuable substances can be put into use. What is it like to enter the dimensions of higher consciousness? Dr. Hofman has presented a great deal of information from his own personal experiences in books he has written. In my own experience, I've been unusually blessed to have the privilege of entering dimensions never previously imagined. While I've not always been able to retain the full impact of these discoveries, if I did, I would be enlightened in the Buddhist sense, the impact of these openings has exposed such grandeur and vastness that, only, that the only acceptable response is incredible gratitude. Being human 
and still carrying burdens beyond my ability to resolve them, there still remains important work to be done. But just having experienced glimpses is enough to muster determination to press forward, for it is now clear that our real self, the true I that resides in the heart of each of us, is present and available and is worth far more than anything one could possibly imagine. Entering this dimension is pure, indescribable bliss. We are one with the universe, including all other beings and creatures, and it is crystal clear that love is the only answer. It is really impossible to fully describe the remarkable essence of who we are. What I am presenting here are simply words, and we all know how easy it is to present words in all kinds of ways. But in each of us, the remarkable core that is one with all, and hopefully, as these words are stated, something deep within yourself will recognize a new reality, a reality that is the most worthwhile thing we can possibly realize. Hopefully, just a taste of this can reveal what is possible and is ultimately real, the only reality that really matters. I do not mean that everyone can immediately enter into this state. I am simply saying that just knowing that this is real and that its value surpasses anything else we could possibly imagine tells us that this is the most important endeavor that we can undertake. There are no doubt many who are not ready to accept such conclusions. There are all kinds of people in the world, and many have already determined the objectives they prefer, prefer to pursue. And that's fine. Pursue your own choices. But ultimately, you will reach the point where you recognize that there is no other endeavor that can be as precious as unfolding your true inner self, whether in this lifetime or future lifetimes. If the goal that I've just described is accurate and therefore desirable, how can it be attained? There is no question that the appropriate use of LSD can open many important doors. Unfortunately, many nations have outlawed LSD and similar substances. I'm ashamed to confess that the United States, supposedly the home of freedom, has been the major factor in outlawing these precious materials. But there are places in the world where these restrictions do not exist. And hopefully, as current research produces favorable results, the day will come when appropriate applications will be permissible. In preparation for this time, let's look at established procedures which can accomplish worthwhile results. As mentioned before, there are open, caring persons who naturally respond to the remar remarkable openings that are presented. There have been some who have been so enormously grateful for what they obtained in LSD and for what they have learned in a single session 
that they are content to never imbibe again. Those who have more difficult times can be greatly helped by experienced guides. This is an area I'm very familiar with, as it took me a number of years to clear up much of the garbage I was carrying. But the greater one is suffering, the more profound is the relief of getting free. Those who have the hardest time are those who have powerfully repressed material which the famous psychiatrist Carl Jung named the shadow. Carl Jung is no doubt one of the bravest men who ever lived, intentionally plunging deeply into his unconscious to search out and resolve his inner conflicts. Shadow material can be very painful. The greatest sources of pain come from mistreatment, particularly at a young age, where comprehension is not yet developed. Fear, pain, neglect, accidents, forced restrictions are all sources of such discomfort that our psyche buries these feelings deep into the unconscious. A good psychedelic experience can open us to these restricted levels and permit discharging these uncomfortable feelings. In addition, there can be feelings of joy as we contact our true center. There can also be an enormous relief of energy and well-being as it takes a lot of energy to hold down the miserable unconscious feelings. My own experience is that as you clear up repressed material, which provides great relief, you then encounter deeper, more difficult layers. It can get so hurtful that many desire to go no further. On the other hand, complete freedom is won only by penetrating completely to the root of the discomfort. Fortunately, there are three powerful aids that can help gain resolution. The first is, as you sink deeper and deeper into your inner self, you are encountering your true being. The joy this provides makes it easier to to confront the painful material. Another help is suggested by Leo Zeff, one of the world's outstanding psychedelic therapists, interviewed in my book, The Secret Chief Revealed. Leo tells us that if we can stop resisting and let go to the flow, the discomfort lessens, making it easier to reach complete release. This can end up with profound peace and joy. A third helper is achieved by accomplished meditators who learn to withdraw into their true center and from this viewpoint look out into the spaces where the painful material is present. In the comfort of the inner self, they can observe the uncomfortable material as being on the outside and consequently not deeply felt. From this viewpoint, it is possible to identify the pain and find a way to resolve it. Each encounter with LSD or other similar useful substances as created by Alexander Shulgin should be carefully reviewed. It is extremely important that valuable discoveries which have been revealed are immediately put into effect. 
Those who have available access to LSD, for example, often neglect taking this step. As if one falls back, it is easy to repeat the experience. I personally fell into this trap myself. As I failed to put indicated action into practice, I could feel myself regressing and would consequently imbibe again. After a while, I felt this constant going up and down, <laughs> very trying. <laughs> it then became crystal clear that I was not using these valuable substances properly. It is essential to put into action what we have learned. Otherwise, our inner self can get discouraged and depression can follow. An excellent way to ensure that we take full advantage of what we learn is to develop a good meditation practice. Many people find, find it difficult to follow this approach. They are busy persons working for a living. And in the beginning, nothing rewarding seems to develop. When you, when you start taking up meditation, <laughs> people get bored because nothing is happening. Here is where intention comes into the picture. With dedicated intention, one sticks to the practice until results begin to occur. Having access to LSD at appropriate times can provide openings that considerably enhance the progress of mastering meditation. I think it is enormously worthwhile to find a good meditation teacher who is skilled enough to teach essential techniques and properly monitor you on your journey. Excellent advice can come from the books by the Dalai Lama, Thich Nhat Hanh, Pima Chodron, Eckhart Tolle, and my own teacher, Alan Wallace. It is often difficult to get started with meditation, but once you begin to make contact with your deep self, you begin to feel more peaceful and that something worthwhile is happening. Staying with it, one begins to find deeper relaxation, then more mental stability, and then finally, clarity. As you increase your ability to hold your mind still, the door to the unconscious becomes more open and repressed material can surface, can surface providing wonderful release. You then generate more energy as it takes energy to hold down repressions. If you earnestly pursue such a practice, you will find yourself developing calmness, which can progress to peace, then euphoria, and in due time, even ecstasy. And all of this can appropriate times enhance psychedelic explorations which can further deepen your meditation practice. The more we progress, the more we learn to open up and resolve inappropriate material. In general, most of us don't care for pain. But I have learned that pain is an excellent teacher. I'll admit that this requires real intention. But one learns that the release, that the relief, freedom, and greater awareness makes one grateful for mustering the will which brings such great relief. So I consider it very worthwhile to learn to sit with one's pain and stay with it until the source arises to consciousness, which is a great revelation. 
then it can be dealt with. Once, once you know what it is and where it came from, then it's easy to deal with it. This technique is well described in chapter, in chapter 6 in Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now. It's well worth reading. One morning, a couple years ago, I was sitting on the sofa, letting my mind rest in its natural state, when I became aware of a great discomfort in my abdomen. In the past, I would have tried to draw away from this feeling, but now I knew to put my intention directly on it and hold my full attention there. All of a sudden, a sequence of, of events began to flow through me. The result was a much greater understanding of how things work. As the discomfort rose, I became agitated and began to look for the source of the misery. Then it struck me right between the eyes. My very clever ego began searching and searching to find the cause of the difficulty. But as soon as I did this, it became crystal clear. The pain is the result of separating from a person from an animal, from a place. Suddenly I recognized my ego was deliberately searching to find the cause of the discomfort. It seemed imperative to find someone or something on which to place the, the, the blame. <laughs> then with an enormous impact, I realized that this created further separation, which produced even more pain. So the very clever ego searches even further, which creates more separation and more pain. It became quite clear how much pain and suffering is being, crea is being created around the world, particularly for those persons who feel their own God is the only true God, and it's perfectly all right to kill those who support different religions. How is that for separation? Will there ever be any end to their agony as they keep creating more and more the very cause of their own pain? For the truth is, we are all one. So when we separate ourselves, we break our connection. And breaking this connection results in pain, even if we're unwilling to acknowledge it. Recently, I was blessed to experience a further element to help open the doors of realization. My very good friend, Sasha Shulgin, in years past, observed me struggle through some of the uncomfortable situations I often found in myself. He would ask me, are you above the line or below the line? Often, I was too uncomfortable <laughs> to reply to him. I finally discovered that being above the line was a great deal more satisfying than being below the line. And more important, I began to understand ways to stay there. I spent quite a bit of time in meditation simply being still and observing. This is often quite satisfying, but in some ways it seemed there were things I was missing. Heavy feelings would return. The wonderful states of clarity would fade away. There seemed no way to maintain this above-the-line space. Then it came to me that I was not producing enough intention. 
it was important to focus more clearly, carefully avoiding grasping, but somehow applying purpose without straining. Then the higher levels of consciousness began to appear. Sitting on the deck of my house, looking up at the high mountains of the Sierra Nevada, and looking above the mountaintops to the crystal clear blue of the sky, I was filled with the awe and beauty of that very alive heaven. It becomes more clear all the time that there is no end to consciousness. It will expand and expand and expand, leading us to new heights, new realizations, new incredible bliss. It is patiently waiting, waiting for us to apply the necessary intention. Since 1965, I've learned that psychedelic substances were the most powerful learning tools available to mankind. Complex, powerful, they're easily misused and abused. Yet for the sincere seeker, armed with honesty, courage, and an unquenchable thirst for self-discovery, I know of no other means that can so readily provide self-understanding and the ultimate nature of reality, nor that can so readily reveal the source of most of the difficulties of the human race and the most appropriate path to their resolution. Following are some of the points that I consider to be my most valuable learning experiences. Number one, many aspects of life expand as our consciousness expands. This includes improvement in communication and relationships, developing skills, sensory enhancement, free flow of thought, appreciation of nature, and growth in inner strength and well-being. Number two, the source of life is utterly real. Those who have the strength and courage to explore this dimension will find an incomprehensible beauty almost beyond the strength of humans to gaze upon. Number three, the universe is created in unconceivable love, a vast, endless, timeless love that is in the heart of every living creature, that awaits within each of us to be discovered by those who earnestly seek it. Number four, we are truly all one. Our brother's welfare is our welfare. His or her pain is our pain, and there is no private salvation. The Buddhists are right. There is no way to advance spiritually without committing oneself to the happiness and welfare of all living beings. Intentionality is the bottom line. We act, create, accomplish, and love 
according with the depth of our intention. Number six, the most glorious experience can fade away unless we take full responsibility for bringing it into realization in our lives. And seven and last, gratitude and appreciation are the star steps to heaven. Myron, for the most part, read his remarks from an essay he wrote specifically for the occasion of Dr. Hoffman's birthday celebration. But I should point out that if you ever have the pleasure of visiting with him in person, you'll find that his conversation follows in much the same vein as his writing. And I hope to be able to share some recent conversations that I had with Myron in a future podcast. Just last month, my wife and I were guests of Gene and Myron at their lovely home in the high desert where the majestic views of the Sierra Nevada mountains can be seen in almost every direction. I did record some of our talks that weekend, but haven't had a chance to listen to them yet and see if they came out okay. But if the goddess has blessed us, then one day you will be able to hear some of the great stories that Gene and Myron told us as I pestered them with every question I could think of to ask. And by the way, I'm sure that they uh, would both love to hear from any of you who would like to contact them, and I'll be happy to forward your emails on to them if you like. Since spam is uh, such a problem these days, I don't want to be the cause of them getting even more unwanted email sent to them, and so I don't feel comfortable giving out uh, their email addresses in a podcast, but I do promise that if you send an email to Lorenzo at MatrixMasters.com with a subject line that reads, For Myron and Gene, I'll be sure to send it on to them. And uh, speaking of email, I hope that your messages to me are getting through, as I really enjoy hearing from my fellow psychedelic saloners, and I'm learning a lot from your comments. For example, Tor wrote to remind me that it isn't just the rave and dance community where there's some good psychedelic music floating around, and he points out that rock music isn't dead yet, and that new groups continue to build on some of the earlier work by bands like the Grateful Dead, the Birds, and others. And I have to admit that during my solo journeys into Entheospace, well, some of those groups are definitely on my playlist as well. So thanks for pointing that out, Tor, and it's good to know that I'm not the only rock and roll guy here. And uh, Daniel from Copenhagen wrote to give me a little different perspective on part of the rave scene in Europe. You know, I guess I've uh, been a little over the top talking about the rave scene uh, here in the States, primarily because my tangential involvement in it is primarily through the Burning Man community. But as Daniel points out, not all is well with the dance community, at, at least parts of it. And 
And one of the things he mentions is something that I, I once heard Terrence McKenna say, and that is the fact that uh, far too many ravers are using the wrong drugs. Among other things, he said, is that most people are on bad ecstasy, cocaine, and amphetamines, and usually also alcohol. Man, that's a, a really bad combination, in my humble opinion. And in truth, that describes a lot of the scene over here, too, I'm afraid. I just try to not think about how much potentially good psychedelic energy is being wasted by some of the candy ravers who are evolving along the meth and coke and alcohol lines. And if that's the scene you're into, you might want to check out a little of the mushroom and acid consciousness and contribute some positive energy to the newosphere while you're out there dancing. For one thing, it's a, a lot more fun and pleasurable than the coke and alcohol path. Well, that's enough preaching for today, huh? But uh, thank you all for sending me your thoughts and comments. It's good to know that even though human consciousness still isn't where we hope it's heading, that uh, there are a lot of you highly aware people out there who are doing your best to nudge our species along to a better way of living. And before I go, I also want to mention the fact that I'm not always the best organized person around. I make these work lists to help me feel like I've got control of my life, <laughs> and then I bury them somewhere and forget to read them. Thankfully, uh, you guys are willing to put up with me even when I've screwed up. What am I talking about, you ask? Well, I got a call from a fellow saloner the other day, and he was very kindly and gently asking if I'd received an order he placed for my book a couple of months ago. Wow. <laughs> Did I ever screw up on that one? Poor Dave placed his order a week, I guess about the week after I returned from Burning Man, and to tell the truth, I was completely fried, and his order just slipped through the cracks, which is no excuse. And I wish I could say that I'm always as understanding as Dave was, but when somebody screws something up like that on me, I get really testy about it. So, uh, thank you, Dave. Not even in the midst of that big storm they're still digging out from in the Midwest did you uh, get upset with me. And now the reason I'm telling this story on myself is that I'm afraid that Dave may not be the only one whose order or email or something like that that I've messed up. So if that's the case with any of the others of you, please let me know. As I said, my email address is Lorenzo at Matrix Masters. That's M-A-T-R-I-X-M-A-S-T-E-R-S dot com. And uh, put the word podcast in the subject line, if you will, and that should get through most of my spam filters, and then I'll fix the problem as best that I can, as fast as I can. I guess I should also mention that this and all of the podcasts from the Psychedelic Salon are protected under the Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 2.5 license. And if you have any questions about that, you can click on the link at the bottom of the Psychedelic Salon webpage, which may be found at matrixmasters.com slash podcasts, or by going directly to the creativecommons.org website still have questions, you can send them to me in an email as well. Again, I want to thank Jacques Cordell and Wells, otherwise known as Chateau Hayuk, for the use of their music here in the Psychedelic Salon. After I sign off here in just a minute, I'm going to play a new song for you that my friends Galen and Jim wrote and recorded to help promote a new meme that has sprung up in Africa, Ghana to be exact. 
The campaign is called Stop Killing Us, and details about this may be found on the internet at stopkillingus.org. And I hope you'll take a few minutes to check it out and maybe even make a small donation and get one of their t-shirts which are being used to get this important message out. As we just heard Myron Stolaroff say, there is no way to advance spiritually without committing oneself to the happiness and welfare of all living beings. It's a simple truth, but one that can change the world if we all take it to heart. And for now, this is Lorenzo, signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. Start feeling us. Start feeling us. Start feeling us.